light was greater than any part of that. Then Cochrane could see that this star was not quite round. He could detect the quarter-mile-long flame of the rocket blast. It came down with a rush. He saw the vertical, stabbing pencil of light plunge earthward. It slowed remarkably as it plunged, with all the flying aircraft above the city harshly lighted by its glare. The spaceport itself showed clearly. Cochrane saw the buildings and the other moon rockets waiting to take off in half an hour or less. The white flame hit the ground and splashed. It spread out in a wide, flat disk of intolerable brightness. The sleek hull of the ship, which still rode the flame down, glinted vividly as it settled into the inferno of its own making. Then the light went out. The glare cut off abruptly. There was only a dim redness where the spaceport tarmac had been made incandescent for a little while. That glow faded, and Cochrane became aware of the enormous stillness. He had not really noticed the rocket's deafening roar until it ended. The helicab flew onward almost silently, with only the throbbing pulses of its overhead vanes making any sound at all. I kidded myself about those rockets, too said Cochrane bitterly to himself. I thought getting to the moon meant starting to the stars. New worlds to live on. I had a lot more fun before I found out the facts of life. But he knew that this cynicism and this bitterness came out of the hurt to the vanity that still insisted everything was a mistake. He'd received orders which disillusioned him about his importance to the firm and to the business to which he'd given years of his life. It hurt to find out that he was just another man, just another expendable. Most people fought against making the discovery, and some succeeded in avoiding it. But Cochrane saw his own self-deceptions with a savage clarity, even as he tried to keep them. He did not admire himself at all. The helicab began to slant down toward the spaceport buildings. The sky was full of stars. The earth, of course, was covered with buildings. Except for the spaceport, there was no unoccupied ground for thirty miles in any direction. The cab was down to a thousand feet, to five hundred. Cochrane saw the just-arrived rocket with tender vehicles running busily to and fro and hovering around it. He saw the rocket he should take, standing upright on the faintly lighted field. The cab touched ground. Cochrane stood up and paid the fare. He got out and the cab rose four or five feet and flitted over to the waiting line. He went into the spaceport building. He felt himself growing more bitter still. Then he found Bill Holden, Dr. William Holden, standing dejectedly against a wall. I believe you've got some orders for me, Bill, said Cochrane sardonically. And just what psychiatric help can I give you? Holden said tiredly, I don't like this any better than you do, Jed. I'm scared to death of space travel. But go get your ticket, and I'll tell you about it on the way up. It's a special production job. I'm roped in on it, too. Happy holiday, said Cochran, because Holden looked about as miserable as a man could look. He went to the ticket desk. He gave his name. On request, he produced identification. Then he said sourly, While you're working on this, I'll make a phone call. 
he went to a pay visiphone, and again there were different levels of awareness in his mind. One consciously and defensively cynical, and one frightened at the revelation of his unimportance, and the third finding the others an unedifying spectacle. He put the call through with an over-elaborate confidence, which he angrily recognized as an attempt to deceive himself. He got the office. He said calmly, This is Jed Cochran. I asked for a visiphone contact with Mr. Hopkins. He had a secretary on the phone screen. She looked at memos and said pleasantly, Oh, yes, Mr. Hopkins is at dinner. He said he couldn't be disturbed, but for you to go on to the moon according to your instructions, Mr. Cochran. Cochran hung up and raged, with one part of his mind. Another part, and he despised it, began to argue that, after all, he had been...